Hi everyone and welcome to episode 62 of the Sweet Spot on a Farm podcast. If this is your first episode and perhaps you just randomly tuned in and have absolutely no idea what to expect, the Sweet Spot on a Farm is a podcast about health and food. And it is my search for an answer to how can we achieve healthy body and mind with the resources that are available to us locally. And I'm looking at what we can do to improve our health and what and how we eat to support it. I bring in some interesting guests who have a lot of valuable information to share and who can provide us with the tools we need to lead a healthy, happy lifestyle that is personal to each and every one of us. I talk to natural health and fitness professionals, organic farmers and food producers, therapists and anyone whose business and life mission it is to keep the rest of us healthy. I ask them about their work, their passions and their lifestyles and I wonder what they like to eat and we share cooking tips and plant-based recipes we can all easily make at home. Um, Today we're online once again and I'm sure we're all looking forward to the end of this madness. Um, I have grown a serious dislike towards technology now um, as I'm spending way too much time looking into a screen and uh, so I'm finding myself avoiding screen time at every opportunity I can, uh, which so far has resulted in last minute work on college assignments, uh, lots of time spent outdoors and exceptionally clean house. Um, Funny enough, my car feels a bit used and neglected because it's full of sand from the beach and mud from the woods. But um, one of the things I have been doing since the pandemic started is growing microgreens. I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but these little plants packed full of nutrients are surprisingly easy to grow and the bonus is that you don't need to have a garden or greenhouse to do it. They grow indoors really, really well and you just need a window. Now, I am the kind of person who can't grow anything inside the apartment apart from alfalfa and clover sprouts, I think. Broccoli would occasionally do quite well in the sprouter, but... um, That's about it. I tried rocket with not much success. I tried all sorts of herbs, you know, coriander, basil, parsley, the usually, you name it, I tried it, it never worked. And don't even get me started on houseplants. I'm just useless when it comes to indoor indoor growing. I'm just completely useless indoor gardener. But microgreens are different. And I have been successfully growing all sorts of varieties, well, successfully. That's a subject for a discussion, (laughs) but um, most of the ones I tried um, have been successful on the first go. They really are easy to grow and um, I have been doing it since October last year and we have been eating microgreens pretty much every day and that is how easy it is uh, because if I can do it, anyone can. Um, But um, I guess that uh, half the battle is the tools and the manual, uh, both of which I got from a company called Newfields based in the Republic of Ireland. Um, If you are on Instagram, you may have seen their various ads. And um, if you ever wondered if this is real or if it's a scam or if it's one of those companies that sell absolute rubbish, um, it is real. Uh, They don't sell rubbish. Um, I have been absolutely loving their kit and their seeds and uh, today I am talking to the founder of Newfields, the microgreens wizard, Dennis Menske. Um, I've 
just had dinner there and I finished my last of my cress and uh, I was looking that's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you but I'm gonna ask you now because I will forget what is the trick in growing cress because every time I try to grow it half of it just dies yeah um, it's uh, it's what's called a mucilaginous seed so it uh, develops a kind of a jelly like kind of sticky coating so it's very susceptible to uh, getting a little bit too wet so like generally if, if things are dying off it's because it's not enough water it's too little water or it's too much water or not enough water so um yeah we press as well specifically it, it, it can um it can just get really kind of waterlogged and then what can, it's this thing called damping off can happen where it just starts to kind of collapse from one point and it just starts kind of spreading out like a tidal wave of death across the, the micro the microgreen tray. So maybe that's it. Um, you can kind of rescue it sometimes by pulling out the bits that, that are dying or like is it is it wilting or like what's happening? Yes, that's pretty much. I think the tidal wave of death is a very accurate description. <laughs> that's pretty much what happens every time. Like half of it just... It starts at one end and it slowly progresses or sometimes it starts in the middle and it goes one end. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of a, it's a fungal issue. Um, so it's like generally, because uh, like with the kids, we, it's kind of hard to, to give a specific amount of seed in the packets, you know, because it's like portioned out. So um, we've been trying to kind of get away from that. So, you know, because everybody's house is different, you know, the humidity levels can be different and like, amount of airflow or light or whatever you know, all these little factors kind of come into it so if, if that is happening maybe next time use a little bit less seed so that more air can kind of get through and um yeah just trying to keep it both the soil level really really dry it's kind of a, an important thing as well yeah. huh. but, um, i've drowned it i've drowned it oh boy <laughs> i always do get like good half of a tray worth of cress like but um yeah i feel sorry for the poor bugger i'm killing it <laughs> but um um do you know what i'm really interested in? um tell me about your background um why microgreens who who are you what what made you suddenly decide i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna sell and grow and promote microgreens like that that's i'm still trying to find that out myself <laughs> <laughs> but uh like i so when i left school i studied horticulture uh for for a year and a half um and it wasn't like we were in the botanic gardens in dublin and it was a lot of uh, just kind of digging holes and stuff and it wasn't really the, the side of it that i was that interested in so um I ended up doing kind of more, I started studying uh, web design, uh, did a course in web design, and I was kind of like self-taught graphic designer. Um, so I, I started, I worked as a freelance web designer for a while, um, and then I uh, I always had like a real kind of, you know, passion for food, like growing food, eating food, um, and that's kind of where, how I started, so I started working in restaurants as a waiter, um, and I did that for a few years and decided that, I, like, I was the waiter that was always hanging around the kitchen pass, you know, being like, asking the chef, what's that, what's that, can I, can I nibble on that? And, uh, yeah, so uh, eventually I was like, all right, I, I need to do this job, I need to become a chef. So uh, I went to DIT called Real Street, um, and I did culinary entrepreneurship, so it was, uh, you were trained as a chef, but 
with uh, with the with very kind of business focused. Uh, so like you know we, we did marketing and um, uh, yeah like you know how to set up a business and the entrepreneurial side of it. So um, I did that and then after two years uh, I went and became a chef. In, I was working in some restaurants in Holt. I uh, went to Germany and I was working there as well. My dad is half German, so so. I was wondering about that because your surname <laughs> gave away some German ancestors. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's my yeah. So I, I, I was just what was my my dad. He's he's from uh, the kind of near Hanover in Germany. So yeah, just one day I kind of realized, oh geez, I can, I can speak German. Like, <laughs> I can talk to this whole other country of people. Um. So yeah, like that's I, uh, that's been like yeah, it's, you know just my granny lives over there. So I went and I lived with her and I worked in a restaurant. Where she lives for a while, and then, and then yeah, my so after I finished uh, working as a chef, I um, I was in Ireland. I was working in and uh, in the tourism industry, so I've had a kind of a very strange uh, amount of jobs and, and kind of paths through life so far. But uh, I was working for, for a tourism company, uh, designing and selling uh, tours around Ireland to, to the German market, and. Uh, just like I, I can't do this anymore. Kind of office job, and uh, I'd, I'd come across microgreens as I was working as a chef. Like that's where I first, you know, and they're, they're kind of like it's like an, an artist would use different media to create their masterpiece or whatever. You know, it's like the microgreens were, were just you know, because every every chef thinks that they're 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 kind of a, an artist or, or you know, um, and wants to kind of yeah, put out the best food, plate food that they can. So. Uh, I just found it fascinating, so I started watching videos and, and realized that this is a massive industry in the U.S. of people growing microgreens. All these, there's a huge range that you know we just weren't really able to get over here as much. Uh, I didn't know the right places to look. There are people doing it, but not as much as as in, in the U.S. So um, yeah, I started realized that it was such a low cost to start up a microgreens business. Like you literally started with these shelves, like you know this kind of um, metal shelving. Uh, some trays, some seeds, and some LED grow lights, and I started growing them myself. And after kind of working it out, I realised I could actually make make a living out of it. Not a, not a fantastic one, but um, it, I thought it'd be a lot more fulfilling than yeah, the, sitting at a at a desk selling selling tours around Ireland. So that's that's how I kind of got into it. Um, and just yeah, just I like became addicted to watching YouTube videos about microgreens how to grow. <laughs> That's definitely a strange one. Like most people watch stupid videos of cats and dogs playing around, and you're watching microgreens grow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, that's yeah. I spent a lot of time on YouTube researching. <clears throat> oh, researching. <laughs> um, but you obviously have horticulture um, background, so it must have been um a bit easier for you than somebody who never really dipped into that sort of industry. Yeah. Well, like I never had, I never really had, had grown a vegetable garden or anything. And uh, like the, the closest I ever got was um, growing. Uh, so when I was living in an apartment, there was a, a roof. If you climbed out my bedroom window, you could climb onto a roof of the shop next door. So I set up some some crates with compost in them and started planting lettuce. And you know, so it was just a little tiny little container kind of garden. But it was, yeah, just, you know, trying to trying to find any way to, to grow food that, that I could, really. Um, and, 
yeah, it was, that, that's kind of what you know, migraines just uh, my I'd say I have a short enough attention span as well. So uh, the, the being able to grow, you know, the whole cycle of migraines in you know a week or two was just mind blowing really. So um, yeah, it was just all all things kind of came together uh, of you know loving food and loving to grow food, uh, kind of web design, everything just kind of came together and. That's how, that's how it started, but that, that was that was up until yeah about March, and like I just gotten the microgreens farm up and running, and then all the restaurants had to close. So um, that's that was literally the end of the microgreens farm for for that that period. For them, so like you know I invested all every money every penny I had, I'd invested it into the farm, and um, you know I had all these bags of seeds and everything. I was like, what am I going to do with all this stuff now? <laughs> All the restaurants are closed, no money. So I started doing kits because we were in lockdown. My friends wanted something to do, and um, I kind of, you know, I I'd been using these techniques uh, of how to how to grow microgreens really like effectively, and I've I've been practicing for months to get you know grow them perfectly every single time. So um, I started doing kind of little kits, and I sent them to my friends, and I was like, do this, 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 and you know, it worked for them. They loved it. And they came looking for more seeds. And they were like, what other, what other varieties can you grow? This is amazing. Um, so that's how the kits kind of started then, yeah. And um, then, yeah, built a website, uh, like started looking into how to run Facebook ads to find people, you know, that are interested in this. Because it's a relatively kind of unknown uh, thing in Ireland. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how the, the, the new fields as it is today was, was started. Oh, so is is that so? Newfields is how you pronounce it. How did you come up with that name? Where did that come from? Well, it was, that was the the microgreens uh, farm kind of. That's that's uh, it was because it was like you know I was trying to think of this is like I, I thought this was just an amazing way for people like me that didn't have a garden. I didn't have one at the time. I, I do now, but that you know uh, I you know was still able to grow loads of food and just kind of. Take, like you know, itch that, uh, scratch that itch, for for you know being able to grow stuff, and it was kind of it just seemed like a very kind of moderny kind of thing. So it's like you know this is like the new new uh, way of growing food. You know, like uh, get out of the fields into the new indoor fields, and like they were. Um, I was reading an, an article about NASA who are who were looking into growing microgreens in space because you know it's a, it requires so little input to uh, and you know. You send up a very light amount of seed and you can turn it into a very substantial amount of, of microgreens and, and like you know that that is a new type of field and like you know it's kind of so that's that's kind of how, how that name came about yeah. so i i assume that as as a um as a designer you you designed all your your um your branding and your website yeah, like, i i had no money so <laughs> i had to do everything myself everything had to be done from scratch yeah so it was it was, it was like it was it was fun but also terrifying and, and you know like every day I wake up being like what am I doing I should just go try to find a normal job but um yeah it, like it's it's working out <laughs> Um, I actually had no idea that you were because I I came across your company on Instagram um last September October um and uh, I uh, had no idea that you actually actually had a farm. Um, so it looks like 
new fields is pretty much shaped by lockdown. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 a, it's a COVID business. Yeah, it's my COVID business. <laughs> COVID business. Please don't that put on your ads. <laughs> Might not do well after this is over. Is <laughs> that as a tagline, yeah. <laughs> it was born from, you know, just uh, kind of having no other option, really. It was very, it was a very, like, at the same time, kind of natural progression. Because, like, as I said, it was... You know, my my friends started getting interested in it, and, and like I'd I kind of seen that there was a, a, a lack of, of you know kind of uh, centralized market base kind of for you know seeds and equipment and you know kind of helping people like me that wanted to start a microgreens farm in Europe. There was nothing. There's not much really like that. So I kind of saw that gap from the start, but I was like, I'll, I'll focus on my farm first. And then as soon as, as the restaurants had closed, then it was kind of like, all right, you know, it's, it's like go bigger and go home kind of thing. So, um, it, yeah, it was, it was kind of a, yeah, kind of a natural kind of thing. And, and it, was, it was lucky that, you know, I was able to build the website and kind of do the crash course and like online marketing and refresh all that kind of stuff. So. But, you know, a lot of great ideas come out of crisis. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> It's kind of like the, I, like, you know, people keep saying it's like the, you know, Microsoft started in the garage. I don't know if it would be that, that, that successful, but it's kind of, yeah, like, and, and now there's, there's two of us working on this um, full time. Uh, and like me and my friend came back from my, uh, he came back from Australia and his background was in like social media and, uh, and uh, kind of search engine and that, like, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So we, we complement each other well. And yeah, we both work on it now in, in this little room in my house. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like we it's we, we got approved for a grant by the local enterprise office, and um, so we're, we're going to be able to rent a bigger unit and expand and stuff like so. It's, it's all very exciting. Well, congratulations! Um, your um company is um absolute genius. I absolutely love it, and. Certainly for people like me who are completely useless at growing anything indoors, <laughs> uh, this is an absolute rescue mission uh, because we live in an apartment um, and I have been for, for the past many years and um, I'm, I'm missing a garden big time. Um, but unlike many other people, I am absolutely incapable of growing anything indoors. And I tried various things. I tried rocket. I tried all sorts of herbs, parsley, mint, coriander. Apparently parsley is supposed to grow really well indoors. Well, it doesn't in my apartment. Um, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the apartment of course it's a lot to do with me um indoor plants um yeah i was given so many plants over the years there is a little pot with a lovely plant that grows on its own you don't have to pay much attention to it just water it once in a while a few weeks later plant dead i am completely useless but your microgreens are so easy to grow that actually I can grow them, even though there are still some that um, I have <laughs> various uh, levels of success with. Uh, most of them are super easy on the first go and we have been enjoying microgreens pretty much every day with our food. And it, it is so um, satisfying to see something grow that you know you can then just pick and eat within it's literally from the pot into my plate it is just so beautiful 
Um, and yeah, so it's literally like bringing the garden from outside I- inside. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, like it's it's literally it's you know it it's how I wanted to you know because like I'd wanted to grow all my life as well, and my like say my friend lives in, in town uh, in a on like a fifth story apartment, and he, he can grow his own food now, in, you know, year round as well. And it's just um, yeah, like they're 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 kind of. Because they don't need much, uh, you know, they don't need fertilizer, they don't need too much light. So you basically just have to try to keep them alive for a week, and then you, and then you can cut them and you can, like... So there, there's not much room to go wrong. Um, there, like, it, there is, to, you know, it's it's just a, a, a very interesting kind of uh, yeah, process, like, because you're trying to kind of control as many variables as you can and kind of, you know, trick them into growing a lot quicker and stuff, so... Um, it's yeah. It just it, it, I, I just found it fascinating when I first got started doing, and I've obviously gotten a bit addicted to it. <laughs> what does one need um, for listeners who maybe never grown microgreens, never never heard about microgreens? Um, what does one need to grow my, microgreens? What is the process? Well, so it's kind of like it, there's it's it's very broad, and like you know, there's a lot of gray areas because you, you know you have, you have sprouts where you can basically um, you put your seeds in a jar you add water you let them soak then you drain and then you rinse them every twice a day so you're just keeping the seeds moist and then you know they'll, they'll, they'll germinate and they'll uh, send out their roots and then they'll start developing a, a leaf but you can do this in complete darkness you know and then after three to four days maybe five days you have a big ball of, of sprouts um, and then you can also then you can put this so sprouting seeds and microgreens are, seeds are the same exact same thing and um, they're just they're, they're they're called spreading seeds because they're tested for for harmful bacteria and all that kind of stuff and our seeds are organic as well so um they're just very clean and fresh but then so you can put seeds in a container with no soil add water and expose them to light so you, you essentially just need seeds because the, the seed itself has everything it needs to get it through the first kind of week say like once you give it water and you keep it hydrated it's it's cutting up and it's looking for you know it will eventually need nutrients or it'll just shrivel up but um yeah so like for for microgreens then the difference between microgreens and sprouts really is that you are doing it on soil so the um it's a bit more like traditional uh, kind of starting seeds out and then you expose them to light as well so really all you need is a bit of soil for microgreens, a bit of soil, seeds, uh, water, and sunlight, and that, so you can grow it anyway. So you can put some soil in a lunchbox and put your seeds on top, and grow them like that, no problem. Um, it just might not work every single time, and they might not grow as well as, as you know you kind of want. So there are ways that you know, like I, that like I was saying earlier with, with the tidal wave of death. <laughs> But if you you know if you just water water the roots where the water is needed, um, you keep the top dry and you, you avoid things like mold because you know all, all these little microgreens are standing like you know millimeters away from each other. So there's this really humid microclimate that's that exists in, in that kind of in the tray. So you know you know you need to kind of keep keep it as dry as possible to avoid mold and all those kind of issues. So yeah, things like like in with our with our kit we. Advise weighing down the seeds, uh, so you, you sow your, your soil in a tray, you put your seeds on top, and uh, you put another tray on top, 
with some weight, and that uh, helps them. Um, first of all, it presses them into the soil a bit, and it also helps the uh, the seed when it kind of sends out its first radical root. It's the first thing that it sends out. It'll realize, hold on, there's something above me. It's mostly soil, so I need to send my roots down down this way. So they'll all they'll all quickly push their roots down to push up against the weight, which is it just you know like with microgreens, you're kind of you're growing roots first, and then you're growing the actual microgreens later on. So you want to grow as powerful, kind of strong roots that will suck up all the water, and, and, and the stronger the roots, the, the, the better the crop will be later on. But um, yeah, so like our, it's, there's you, you can get really nerdy about it. <laughs> and, uh, now there's like all, all these um, different methods and stuff, and yeah, like every every seed is different. But like really starting out, you know, you just need some good seeds, good quality seeds that are fresh. Uh, like our seeds are all 90% uh, of, our, of the seeds will germinate. You know that's a guarantee. Whether it's, it's probably a lot higher, really. But um, you just need some seeds, some soil, and you can grow microgreens. Like I've, I've seen people grow them outside on the, on the ground in their garden. You know, and just sow it on the, on, on the soil and just harvest it after after a week or so. So it's really yeah, it's kind of that's that's what I, I I love about it. That you know. Does Ireland actually have the right kind of climate for microgreens to be grown outside? <laughs> I would assume you need a greenhouse for that. Yeah, maybe in the yeah greenhouse in Ireland, perhaps. Yeah, uh, but like I suppose, like in in, in summer, um, well, like it's not really it's, it's not as advisable because as delicious as we find microgreens, so do like slugs and other pests and, and stuff, you know. So. They, they won't last that long and as well they you know like they, they don't like it rained on and uh, all that kind of stuff so it's uh, yeah you kind of have to look after them more but um, yeah like it's, it's, yeah greenhouse it's, it's, it's perfect for, for the Australia. the perfect indoor food <laughs> um um I actually like the fact that you you talked a bit about the sprouting because I Prior to buying your kit, um, I had been sprouting for, for years, and usually alfalfa, some broccoli, red clover. But the likes of broccoli and cress actually never really worked for me because, as you mentioned, they create like sort of jelly, and then it would most of the time it would mold, and even when they grew, they were like kind of stuck together. And I had a massive bag of broccoli and cress left over for my sprouting, so I started using them with your kit. And oh my god, the broccoli is amazing. <laughs> it is so much nicer and easier and way easier to harvest when you grow it on soil like that in your trays. Uh, well, with the cress, obviously, I have to figure out my um, watering technique. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, broccoli definitely. Sprouting, no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm never gonna put broccoli in sprouter. Again. Yeah, we're actually we're launching uh, our sprouting kit uh, next week, so with a sprouting jar and you know the mesh lid and all that kind of stuff. So uh, actually today we we launched all our, our new seed range. So we we have 40, 40 varieties of seeds up on our website now. What? 
Wow, this is not really, yeah, don't, don't encourage me with any more sprouts because looking through your website, it's like kit in a sweet shop. <laughs> it's like, mm, what am I going to try and grow next? Um, I was like, that's the put that on my Instagram post like an hour ago, like a kid in a cat. Yeah, no, I definitely feel like that. Um, there are two types, there's actually one type of seeds that I haven't uh, been brave enough to try yet and that's peas because I tried peas before and I tried it um, last year during our first lockdown I was volunteering for nearly four months on an organic farm and I had previously bought like a kilo bag of peas for sprouting it never sprouted for me, it always molded, it just never worked for me. So we tried growing it in soil um, in a little tray on the farm, again, just molded. It didn't work for me. So whenever I got your tray, one of the first things I looked at was maybe I could try peas. I was never brave enough to try it because I had just such a bad experience growing it. Um, and another thing is I did try a couple of times your beets because they look absolutely amazing and I'm useless. I'm just, and I know that you, 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 you replied to my message. I can't remember whether it was email or Instagram, um, uh, saying that obviously I have to pre-soak them, and um, I think I've forgotten <laughs> to do that. <laughs> so maybe that's why they didn't sprout because they took like a week, and then only like maybe twenty percent of them came up. Um, but uh, so that's another thing I need to learn how to sprout. But peas, what is it about peas? Do you have any like? Tips. The, um, so like we, it's, it's definitely the, the quality of, of the seed. Cause like we, when, when I started out, uh, remember we got a batch of seeds, pea seeds, and they just, they were really slow to germinate and got, they did, got really moldy as well. So, um, that, but now like the, the seeds, the seeds that we have now, like are, are, are brilliant. You know, we soak, we, we soak them first for, for 12 hours. Uh, you can sanitize peas as well. Uh, it's sometimes if you're getting problems with that, you can sanitize them in either like vinegar for like half an hour, or there's uh, you can also use hydrogen peroxide, which you can get in the pharmacy, um, which is it's basically water with an additional oxygen molecule, and it's approved for like organic farming by the EU and everything. But you soak them in, in a 50-50 mix of that for half an hour. It's like one of the best antifungals uh, ever. So. Um, no, that's it's kind of like the industry standard for if you like especially with sunflowers are, are just you're, you're kind of nearly guaranteed to get mold with sunflowers oh really because that's that's really um I'm, i must be a total weirdo then because i've been growing sunflowers for for a while <laughs> i never had issues with sunflowers I've had I've had big problems with them, like so. Yeah, it's it's funny. <laughs> oh god, yeah, I'm, so, yeah, I'm sure I, I need to come and get a, a crash course on some sunflowers. After getting your kit and growing lots of your microgreens, I got really encouraged, and I was like, you know, I'm actually missing sunflowers because they're like one of the nicest uh, microgreens. They're so sweet. I absolutely I'm addicted to them actually now. Um, but for them, obviously, you need much deeper tray. Um. So um, I uh, dug up an old tray uh, that we had and I put a little bit of soil um, at the bottom and then you literally just water the soil, you put the sunflower seeds, I put the sunflower seeds on top, then I sprinkle some soil on top of them to cover them and then um, I cover the, uh, the top of the, um, of the tray with microfilm to create like a greenhouse environment, put a few holes in it so the plants can, so the seeds can still breathe. And I stick it on a radiator. 
and uh, after about two or three days they start popping up and you can see growing them through the soil and whenever they are most of them are up I remove the microfilm and like let some some water on it to keep it warm and then just keep them on the radiator until I see some leaves coming through and then I just pop them onto a windowsill and just keep watering them every day because they're really thirsty they're thirsty bastards um <laughs> and and yeah and they've been great <laughs> uh, no I need I need to yeah but like it's 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 one of our most like requested um kind of seeds because we, we did have them at the start but they're they're just like they're very bulky to store and like we're in a small like 16 meter square room here so everything is like piled to the roof and all <laughs> so it's yeah having big big you know massive bags of sunflowers and like it's bad enough with peas like like you know i can't imagine <laughs> but that's great with the peas. I didn't know that you can sanitize it. I wonder, I have ozonator at home. Um, and I wonder maybe if I ozonate some water and stick them in that water for maybe half an hour, whether that will work for me. But I'll okay, next time I'm placing an order on your website, I'm ordering peas and I'm just going to go for it. Yeah, yeah, no, like they, uh, they're, they're one of my favorite, like the same, the same way you love um, sunflowers. It's, it's, you know, the flavor of a pea shoot. It's like, picking a pea straight out of a pod off of a plant, you know, it's just like really sweet. And uh, you can use, you can kind of saute them and use them as like a little kind of like nearly like spinach and a little and stuff like that. I just love them. They're one of my favorites. I mean, you're making pesto out of them and you make... Uh, Are you? Really? Uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like just one of the most versatile ones, I think, yeah. Oh my god, what a great idea. I'm definitely gonna try and grow them now because I do love the taste of them. I mean, if I can buy them somewhere, I, I do, and they never last long in the fridge because I just go through them very quickly. I do like them. It's just growing them, I always found a pain in the arse and I never managed to grow any, so... <laughs> and yeah, like the, the beetroots, it's, um, it's a lot of people have problem with them as well. And like, you know, it is, there, there are some that are really easy, really easy varieties to grow. And then there are things like beetroot that... Uh, yeah, they're just you know they're 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 a bit more difficult to to grow. They're like chefs love them because they they look so great, but the you're you're in, you don't really get as as big a crop, and they're they're a bit more delicate, you know. So they, they their shelf life isn't as great. So it's not one I'd really recommend for you know if you're doing it to, to get a big massive crop and to feed the family and buy it or something. Probably not great if you're learning and um, if you're starting to learn how to grow microgreens because it could be very discouraging. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, and that's that's why with uh, some flowers we kind of didn't really have them in the kit at the start either because uh, we were just getting mold all the time, so we didn't want people to be uh, kind of turned off by by moldiness. And I think that's happened a lot of, of yeah, people kind of growing it and maybe the soil's too wet and they get mold. A lot of people actually think that uh, the root hairs of the microgreens are, are mold as well so um end up throwing out the tray and then you know put up a post on instagram being like oh keep an eye this is not mold it's, it's actually the, the part of the root and uh just a lot of people have been like oh my god i threw out like five trays of microgreens because of this the soil is another thing i wanted to ask you about so you offer um, this kind of coconut compost with with your um as an option and um i did try it and then um lately because i had a massive bag of normal seed compost i've been growing with that 
And um, I wonder how you came up with the idea of trying the coconut because I can definitely see the difference. And I think that my problem with cress is partially because I haven't tried it growing in your coconut compost yet, which I find is way easier to use for the moisture control whereas with compost it's quite difficult because compost doesn't hold moisture so you often think you need to water where you probably don't have to and I think that's what's happening with my cress because it looks dry and then I put water and then the compost will soak up all the water but there's no control so that's probably why the cress um drowns yeah no it's an it's an interesting question as well because um like what I what I what ended up using was pretty much like an, an 80, 70 or 80% blend of, so 80% cocoa core and 20% compost of like green compost mixed together. So that that's what I found was the best for, like as you said, the water retention and for, because uh, not only like it holds water really well, but it also is kind of like a little structure that allows air to get to the roots as well. So it's kind of, you know, it's, 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 it has really good properties for that. It just, it lacks any nutrition whatsoever and not that the microgreens need it but um the majority of them will grow a bit better with a little bit of added kind of uh, fertility in the soil so i uh, think yeah if you mix if you mix like 20 good quality compost in with cocoa coir um it doesn't need more than that like if you're using compost all the time it's, it's a bit more expensive and uh, like as i said it can kind of like clump together and dry out really easily like But um, is yeah with the cocoa choir we it was we just started using the bricks because uh, well, they're they're certified organic as well um, and we just we couldn't really find a way to portion up uh, you know kind of semi wet compost into a, a kind of packaging that wasn't a plastic bag or something like that you know so we um, like we've been trying to cut any like single use plastic or any of that kind of stuff out of, out of all our packaging and, and stuff so it just like it, ideally it would have given that that mix for the best kind of results but cocoa, the cocoa choir on its own is just it, it stores well it travels well in box and you, can, you know people can put it in their cupboard and forget about it for a few months and, and then use it and like it does the job well like it once once people start getting more into it like uh and you know because we do the little pre-portion blocks that you get in the kit um if you buy the bigger bulk blocks it's a it's a lot cheaper because like we we cut them up, up by hand with a saw so um uh yeah the like if you if you get a big block and you hydrate it all it's like nine meters and then you mix in two liters of compost and you've just got like perfect kind of run in that point so yeah i, I tried the the crest maybe with that as well um Because yeah, it's kind of maybe the, the the kind of microbial action in the soil will then kind of help fight off the fungus that's that's killing the, the grass. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for the tip. I'll definitely try it next time. That's it, it is actually on my list to order the the cocoa choir on uh, in bulk um, from you. So I'll, I'll I'll try that and mix it together. That's a really great tip. Um, how did you come across that? How did you think um, of using using that? Yeah, well, we were we were using kind of a, a blend uh, that that was like that because uh, you, you can get that in that kind of mixture in grow shops, you know, for for other indoor growing things uh, purposes, um, and uh, yeah, just kind of started making our making our own one, and um, it's, it just worked really well. Like it was just kind of 
you know, because it was it, it's like cost effective, but also uh, just the, the microgreens would look way happier. Like you know, they you kind of get there, get to like market size like a day quicker, um, and they they just like the leaves would be bigger. Um, so it's just kind of like trial and error, like a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, like it's you know. It's possible to grow them without any soil at all, like on a on a on a hydroponic mat, like a cocoa corn mat or, or a hemp mat. Um, and like certain varieties are better suited to soil, and some are better suited to to other other methods. So that was kind of just the perfect sweet spot. Of, you know, you can mix a big tub together, and everything would happily grow. That's brilliant. Um, and actually talking about mats, um, you've recently, haven't you recently launched heat mats to use with your tray kits? Yeah, we had them for a while. Um, and yeah, we don't, we're just trying them out. They, they, they sold really well, but uh, they're just a bit expensive um, to stock. So we're, we might be holding off on it for, for a while. Because uh, like we're, we're kind of focusing now on, on seeds and, and trying to uh, get like our, our spray kits out there and stuff now. So um, but yeah, the heat mats worked well. Uh, they're kind of sometimes it can backfire because it can it can it can make the environment too hospitable uh, for mold. <laughs> so like you can take off a tray and you know because if you don't use it with a thermostat, uh, it's just like full blast. Well, like it's a very low heat, but it's just a you know it's a very relentless hot environment. And yeah, sometimes they take a tray off and it will just like be this like mushroom of mold inside. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, for some for some things it, it works really well, like for the first day or two. But if you forget about them, uh, yeah, you can, you can open it. Just surprises it. I'll stick to radiator then. <laughs> so you mentioned you have forty varieties of seeds on your website. That's pretty. We have thirty-five, and then a few mixes as well. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. So. Um... What kind of seeds have you got and which ones are your favorites and why? Uh, well, peas, as I mentioned, will always be, be number one. Um, then we have, uh, so it's two, two ones that I'm really excited about are, um, we have a purple shiso. So it's, uh, it, it takes about three to four weeks to grow. So it's a bit longer, but like, this is, this is the chef and me now talking. It's like, a, it's like, it looks like a nettle leaf, but it's like bright purple. Um, so that's uh, that's one I'm really excited. It's it's a bit more challenging to grow, but I think it'd be popular with like you know for for, for you know people that want to use it more as a garnish. Um, and we have a variety called Red Bait Sorrow, which is uh, like a little really kind of citrusy flavored leaf with like bright red veins. Uh, so it's kind of like classic garnish uh, kind of microgreen as well. And it's nearly like a baby leaf, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's one I'm really excited about. And then we have amaranth as well. I can actually show you a tree of amaranth. So it's uh, it's this like bright pink. That looks so pretty. Hard to see there, but yeah, that's it's like a really bright pink. Um, that is mad. Little delicate thing, and yeah, it grows grows really quick. Like that, that's about a week old now. So um, in another yeah another week or so, it'll be kind of ready to to harvest. Yeah, so. Yeah, no, that's so. That's definitely yeah, one of the so like even just a bit of that. It's actually one of the healthiest. It's, it's not big on flavor, but it's it's one of the, the healthiest microgreens really um, that that you can grow. So go on. I'm making a shopping list here. <laughs> Amaranth, <laughs> cocoa <coquire>, peas. <laughs> then yeah, so, like radishes. They're they're the, 
like if I ever, because we were working at, at, at some markets in Dublin um, during the summer, and it was uh, it was really great. Like that, that's probably one of the experiences that really helped us the most because uh, it's hard to get feedback from people through the internet, you know, like like through a website or or on Instagram. Or, you know, like people will like the photo, but you know, you never really know what the questions they have are. So at the markets, people would be like, what the hell is this? Like, how, how do you do this? Or, you know, so we got, to, that's what really helped us kind of hone in on, on uh, what it is that helps people understand what microgreens are and, and you know, where, where the kind of pain points were. So, yeah, it's, it was, I, I just learned very quickly that if I recommended someone to grow radish, that they come back the next week and they'd be like, oh my God, <laughs> like a week later, like I, had, I, I planted last night, last week after I was talking to you and then I had it for dinner yesterday. And it's like that, so it's, yeah, radish oil will always have a special place in my heart as well. Yeah, radishes are one of my favorites, and I like at the minute I'm I'm really big into daikon. I I ordered uh, the bigger pouch of daikon from you, and um, I've been growing it like I think every other week. I sow some daikon. I absolutely love it, and I love how because they're quite big compared to some other microgreens, the leaves are quite and they grow quite tall, and the the stalks are a bit thicker than in some other microgreens. Um, I just find them really nice and bulky and I use them in place of lettuce when I'm making salad bowls I just pop a big handful of daikon radish in and oh my god it, it they are amazing and they grow so easy really yeah like in and like in six days sometimes like you know you can have it's it, like there's nothing really else that compares to it because like you know they're they're one that would really like as you said you can swap it out for lettuce you know and but it's it just it's like daikon especially is pretty spicy and it's, uh, it's just a very, you know, kind of different, more exciting thing. And the, the great thing with microgreens as well is that, you know, you can have, you know, three or four different things growing and, you know, like it's, it's rare that you would eat radish, beetroot and like, uh, I don't know, peas in the same meal. But, you know, when you grow microgreens, you can, you can take a bit of everything and mix it together and, you know, kind of like have little little micro doses of, of, of each variety and their benefits like so yeah it's just yeah I, it's uh, it's just amazing seeing how, how people react to it as well yeah um, you know as you were saying earlier about um, that you know you anything you grew you have black fingers that it, anything you grew would die or whatever that converting people that think like that into actual micro green farmers you know that helps just has been one of the best parts of the whole thing so, yeah. so um radishes what else i am um, i love brassicas as well i have to say uh different varieties of kale they're always like amazing yeah yeah we so we have the we have a pink kale um uh, tuscan kale and now we just added the red russian kale as well so it's kind of like a pink pinky purpley kind of uh kale variety so that's uh, that's a really good one, and then we have a we have a mix called brock and kale, which is broccoli and all the kales mixed together. <laughs> grow them all, all together in one tray. Um, yeah, and then we added a uh, tatsoi as well. It's another brassica. It's uh, it's kind of similar to pak choy. Um, uh, so we have that in stock now as well. And um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're 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 kind of want to really try and come up with. Uh, interesting like mixes of seeds and stuff that especially for sprouting because um 
can kind of mix things together that maybe as a microgreen will grow at slightly different rates, but when you spray them, you can kind of even it out a bit more. So mix things like radish and, and kale together, where the radish will grow a lot quicker than the kale and microgreen. So um, yeah, it's like it's like a little experimental lab here sometimes. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I do like the fact, that, as you said, that you can sort of mix and match and mix them together. Um, I have four trays um, that, uh, that I use and they're constantly in use, all four of them. Um, and I'm thinking of getting a couple more, actually, <laughs> just because <laughs> um, just I love to. It's, it's actually addictive trying to grow this. Once you get into it, it's like, mm, what else can I grow? What else can I grow? I've, I've ended up with a room full of uh, packed and sealing with microgreen seeds. So <laughs> but do you know what? There's one more thing I love about growing in trays that way, as opposed to sprouting, is that um, you don't have to harvest all of it when it's ready to harvest whereas with sprouts you can't really leave them you know continue you have to refrigerate them they're so much easier in a way to grow sprouts um because you just have to rinse rinse and drain rinse and drain but you have to rinse and drain every day two times at least and then you have to use them really quickly whereas with the microgreens i feel that even when they're ready to harvest i can happily leave them in the tray for another week and just cut bits off whenever i want to eat them and they're quite happy you know, just sit there and grow and do nothing. <laughs> Look pretty. It's a more work up front, but then it's it's kind of you can. They're a lot more chilled out than sprouts, uh, kind of for the rest of their lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> Unless the tidal wave of death comes around. We don't speak are there any um, what are the best microgreens to start with for somebody which ones are the easiest to grow we mentioned radish are there any other ones if somebody's thinking about okay i'm gonna give this a bash which ones are the easiest to grow which ones would you recommend the, the entire brassica family really so like radish mustard uh, broccoli kale uh, pak choy uh, zuna like they're they're all the easiest like you know it's, it's very difficult to go wrong with, with brassicas um, then yeah things like I, I, I don't I'm afraid to say peas <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like kind of peas and beans like they're they're like mung beans especially they're, they're a bit a bit of a mad one to grow but they're you know they they grow incredibly quickly and aggressively and big very quickly so I tried sprouting them they're on my blacklist as well <laughs> yeah well like um yeah i guess like it's uh, like i i our starter kit is kind of um has peas broccoli mustard and a radish mix so they're kind of the like mustard is is um mucilaginous as well like so it gets a bit sticky but still you know it's very very hard to to mess mustard up because it's just it just all it wants to do is grow very quickly so um, yeah, so like my, my advice would be yeah, try just try the starter kit, <laughs> and uh, then yeah, like all the brassicas. Not like and not only are they kind of easy to grow, they're like you know kind of known to be the, the healthiest as well. And uh, so like broccoli specifically, like we've uh, customers that literally only buy broccoli seeds, and nothing else. Uh, they buy a lot of it. Uh, or for its health benefits, because like broccoli microgreens and sprouts are really high in what uh, sulfurophane, 
which is like a really powerful antioxidant that, that uh, really, you know, if you're if you're into athletics or, or bodybuilding or whatever, you've probably heard of it. But uh, and it's it's just getting more and more popular as as like a really powerful natural antioxidant. So um, broccoli is uh, broccoli microgreens can, can have up to two hundred times the concentration of sulforaphane as a mature vegetable by weight. But it's also pretty. Uh, you know, like things like kale. Uh, some of the kales are very rich in it as well. So, um, yeah, for 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 kind of fun, easy to grow, and also the health benefits of the all the brassicas, I, I would definitely recommend it. Wow. Yeah. No, I do. I do love broccoli. I actually have you ever listened to Rhonda Patrick talk on any podcasts? She's um um she's uh she's a big into she's a scientist and she's uh, into nutrition and she talks a lot about sulforaphane and she's absolutely obsessed with broccoli sprouts <laughs> so um yeah no um yeah i do love broccoli as well and you mentioned that your absolute favorite is peas and i can't get the pesto out of my head how do you make pesto with your peas sprouts? And can can you share with our listeners? Because I'm pretty sure that that's one of the, th- you know, that's one of the things. If I actually manage to grow pea sprouts, this is what I'm gonna make because it sounds amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think we have a post on our on our Instagram about it. But basically, it's it's like it's just the same as making basil pesto. You just get uh, a, a, like a tray full of uh, pea shoots. Um, Put it in a food processor with walnuts uh, or any nuts really. Uh, I'm not too stingy for pine nuts, so I'll use walnuts, uh, some garlic, and olive oil and salt, and uh, just blend like pulse it up until it until it looks like pesto. Um, and you can, if you don't want to use so much olive oil, you can use more water as well to kind of thin it out a bit, and then just use it as, as normal pesto. If you want, you can add pretty much anything. So like. Put like kale microgreens in it sometimes, or basil, basil and pea shoot pesto, and so you can wow. get quite creative. Do you use the whole length of the pea shoot? Yeah, yeah, right down, just like a centimeter above the um, above the soil. Yeah, that's the best food recipe I heard in a long time. I swear to God, I'm so looking forward to this. I need to try and grow peas. <laughs> this is really exciting. Yeah, I we made a. a shoot risotto as well so it's kind of made a risotto like normal with with vegetable stock and then um kind of blanched pea shoots uh, uh liquidize them and then use that as kind of like for the final bit of, of like use that as stock right at the end so you just have a really like pea fresh pea flavored risotto then like and yeah it's amazing it's on instagram as well yeah, so. oh my god that sounds amazing well that's the chef in you, isn't it? <laughs> it sounds amazing. Um, if anybody's listening, if you guys haven't ordered uh, microgreens or haven't tried microgreens, you have to absolutely try this because they are super awesome. Um, tell me, are there any... Um, that's another thing I wanted to ask. Are there any differences, any like huge differences in growing of different types of microgreens so i know you said that the the brassicas and the radishes they're probably the easiest to grow and and we mentioned that you have to you can sanitize the peas but are there any huge differences say um does the cocoa choir does it maybe not work for some or 
I know that you put some of them in the dark. Is it something that you need to do with all of them or it, does it work better for some than others? Are there any huge differences in growing different types? Yeah, well, yeah, so like, um, yeah, pretty good question as well. As, so with, like, as I kind of mentioned earlier on with, with microgreens, you're, you're trying to, you're, 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 you're not growing them to be, you know, big, healthy, mature vegetables in a couple of months time. So you know, having having leggy seedlings is actually what you what you want, kind of you know. So, um, uh, whereas when when you're trying to grow actual veg, you want kind of a real nice, sturdy, robust kind of seedling. But um, so with yeah, just with the with the blackout phase, it's basically after you weigh them down um, and they built really good roots. Uh, you kind of want to get them to a length really quickly because once you expose them to light, they'll stop growing upwards as much. So if you imagine you're the seedling and, and you've just grown incredibly strong roots, you know, and you're ready to go, you're ready to start growing, but suddenly all the weight is gone and you're in, a, in a, just a black abyss. <laughs> and also, like, all, all you're doing is, is try, stretching up looking for light. So, you know, they can actually double in, double or, or, you know, in height over the course of the night. Um so you use that kind of period to stretch them. Uh, I call them, call it stretching them to, uh, so that you basically want to get them to a good height where that you can kind of come in and harvest uh, after, uh, like later down the road. So um, yeah, so then once you put them on, on the expose them to light, they're gonna they're gonna stop growing and they'll focus more on leaf development and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, with with different uh, like. So, say with hammerings, for example, like you, I wouldn't, you wouldn't use as much weight on that because it, it just wouldn't be able to push push up the weight as much, and you know you could kind of inhibit it, its quick growth. Um, things with like beetroot, uh, you need to soak them first uh, because they're they're just a really tough, dry seed. It's actually a cluster of, of like three or four seeds or, uh, in, in that one seed, so you need to soak it and then bury it in some cocoa bar so that uh, the seed hole itself is, is can't eat it like you break a tooth if, if you chomp down on it so um yeah there's like little tricks for for all the different ones and that's why it's kind of you know uh it's like we like to guarantee success with kit so like if something goes wrong uh and say like the beetroot uh, as, as what happened to you um like anytime someone gets in touch with us we send them a replacement we kind of try to figure out what, what went wrong because each one is a little bit different um, and, and then send them a replacement but then say things like uh, fennel uh, fennel is uh, it's like really uh, it's, it's great as a garnish but it, it grows really slowly so you know you need to kind of be prepared to keep an eye on it and like the longer you leave it in, the, in a kind of in that dark moist environment more likely you are to get mold and you have to kind of stay on top of it so it's a it's a labor of love some of them yeah um but for the most part the, the kind of uh putting them on top of some some kind of like all the brassicas will grow well on night like you, you don't even need soil for them really you can put them in a the lunchbox with some water and they still grow you know into, into microgreens so like once you kept them watered um but uh yeah like the the kind of cocoa bar method is, is kind of just the, the silver bullet that I found. Um, like we've tried, we've trialed hemp mats and we sent them out to customers that didn't like the cocoa bar and stuff, and they all 
was a customer. Um, but yeah, that wasn't uh, the the coke before. I wasn't agreeing with her. Um, but she had asthma, so we sent her a hemp mat instead. And uh, she just didn't like it at all. So she just was like, "I right, just give me the coke before." <laughs> so it's just yeah, it's just kind of been the the best uh, substrate that we've found really. Yeah, it's it's kind of like we get we get most of our stuff from the UK as well, so it's uh, that's that's been a massive massive problem as well. Really, uh, trying to navigate Brexit. That's another thing I wanted to ask, you know, how the pandemic and mainly Brexit impacted your business, because I know that's been a massive problem because you sell, I mean, I'm based up north and I presume that you send quite a lot of stuff up north as well across the, um, so how does that impact your business? Um, yeah, well, the north is like, that's, that's been, uh, like because we, we can still ship to the north without any extra certification or uh, like VAT or duty or any of that kind of stuff but Shopify the, the our uh, website kind of software doesn't differentiate between mainland UK and Northern Ireland so well, we can still take orders uh, we have to take it through email uh, so just heads up <laughs> and uh, then yeah like it's it's been like just perfectly honest been an absolute disaster Brexit like it's because uh, for up, up until Christmas, um, the UK was, uh, was nearly half our sales. Uh, it just was accelerating, you know, at like five or six times the speed of growth as, as the Irish Irish sales were. And then it was just like, you know, when we put the brakes on, uh, some of our parcels didn't even get through that we had sent before Christmas and stuff. They were sent back to us and customers didn't get it. So because there's, because it's seeds, first of all, and because it's organic seeds, uh, you, you need to have our seeds need to be inspected. We need to get a certificate that says that we need to send with every order now, uh, along with the consignment. We have to put that in the customs folder. That has to go along with the, with the parcel. We have to be registered for UK VAT and file UK VAT returns. And that's, it's all very, very expensive. You know, the, the whole point of it is that you know it's, it's, it makes UK companies more competitive than outside companies so we just suffered a lot from it but so it's all right and there's like an like you know there's kind of a hope in sight um that this will all be sorted out soon and that we'll have all our documentation kind of ready and so that it won't be too much um, i'm just really worried that you know we'll be sending stuff over to, to customers and they, they won't get it or it'll take, take ages to get and it's, it's just not really kind of the service that, that we really want to provide but, um, yeah, as long, as long as we kind of, you know, make that clear that, you know, Brexit, Brexit is a thing um, and there might be delays, then it'll be all right. But, yeah, like we get, we get a lot of our stuff from the UK as well, like our trays and everything. So they've got more expensive now with, with, uh, with import duties and stuff. Um, and, yeah, just things that used to come through the UK can't anymore. Like you know, just travel through, through it and stuff, and yeah, it's just just been uh, been an interesting few months, uh, and a lot of angry texts and emails to, from customers being like, "Why can't I pick the UK as, as a checkout option?" Uh, to be like, "Sorry, ask Boris." <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I can imagine it is. I'm, I'm sure for some companies it's been an absolute disaster. And, and I do totally feel your pain because I know that your cost, that's one of the other things that I think half the success is not just a great product and great idea, but also customer service. And yours is absolutely exceptional. Um, so I, I can understand how frustrating it must be for you when you actually, when it's out of your hands and you, you can't really do all you can to make your customers happy. You know, it's been good encouragement and motivation to keep, keep kind of fighting for it because it's like, it's, it's no, one, no one really knows that much what's going on. Like, a, a, like I've been on the phone to the Department of Agriculture here, like, you know, two or three times a week and like because it's kind of a weird business that we're running as well so like it's uh it's not we're not super big scale or anything and it's, it's like little bits of seeds and mixed in with other things you know so it's kind of it's a new it's a new experience for them as well but they're kind of they're, they've been really supportive and nice about it so um, the end the end is inside for so if somebody, you already mentioned that because of Brexit, obviously uh, customers from up north will have to order via email. Uh, where can uh, people find you and uh, what's the best way to place an order um, or how can they contact you if they have a question? Yeah, so um, like we use uh, the, the chat on the website. Uh, that's kind of the easiest way to get in touch quickly. Uh, my my number is, is on the website as well. It's about like the hotline, <laughs> so you can uh, WhatsApp. So you know I've uh, like loads of customers that will will send me like snaps of, of their what they're growing. Be like, is this all right? Am I doing okay? Well, my bonus is constantly moving. <laughs> um, so yeah, just you can you can get in touch. Uh, so from the north specifically, uh, just if you people can send a list of what they want to order, and you can just send a payment link back that way. Because um, you, you're just not able to put input the UK from from the user side. Uh, from the UK, we're going to be able to ship again to the UK in the next like two weeks, hopefully. Um, but there's going to be a minimum order value of 135 pounds, which is not ideal. But that's the threshold where if you're not registered for VAT, which we aren't yet, because every company in the world is trying to get registered for UK VAT, um, then uh, yeah, so. We'll be able to, to ship to the UK again soon, but with, with, a, with a minimum order value. But for the North, it's still as normal. Just need to send an email into us at info at nucleus.ie, or uh, you can yeah just get onto us on the chat on the website. And are you also on? Uh, I've mentioned you're on Instagram. Are you also on other social media where people could find you? Uh, Facebook as well. Uh, Twitter has been a bit neglected. <laughs> That's uh, Stephen's in charge of Twitter. Um, but it's yeah, Twitter is uh, it's not really kind of as uh, effective at, at kind of you know because like microgreens are a very like visual kind of thing, so it's sharing images and, and that kind of thing. It's it's just a bit more suited to Instagram and Facebook. So, but yeah, we're we're we, we're we're on Instagram and Facebook big time. Yeah. So you can check out if you if you haven't really seen, no, don't know what microgreens are or what the different kind of varieties are. Uh, that's the best place to start check it out there um, and one last question I have for you before I let you go back to your uh, multiple packets of seeds <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a bit of a nosy bastard to be honest um, and I like to know um, 
what my guests like to eat and what their lifestyle is like. So apparent, apart from eating lots of microgreens, um, what is your diet and lifestyle like? I presume you're, you're obviously chef, so I presume you like cooking a lot from scratch. My my girlfriend's very uh, she's a big foodie as well, and so like we we would cook dinner every night, really like, and it's kind of a joint effort. So so it's uh, it's you know no one gets off the boat. Um, but we, we live in Holtz, like right by the sea in, uh, in Dublin. So uh, we stopped eating meat uh, a lot, like every now and then, so we would eat some chicken. Um, but like beef and pork has kind of been cut out. Uh, so so we'll eat mainly kind of like vegan, uh, and then the odd time we'll have some fish and something like that. But um, yeah, it's kind of fit, fit, like. Uh, I love I like I love cooking vegan meals, uh, but you know sometimes it's just do you know i had salmon for dinner i confess it was pretty tasty <laughs> i managed to get wild caught salmon from local fishmonger um and i enjoyed it and i had i had the crest on top of it looked really nice <laughs> those uh, like veg boxes that that are you know kind of delivered from like local farms like uh mcnally farm um and they do like an amazing veg box, so you just get a delivery, um, and it just has yeah, random, random stuff. So, and it's a good way to get creative with it. Yeah, I do. We haven't gotten quite uh, um, into the whole veg boxes subscription because I like, um, I like being in control of what I'm getting. I'm a bit of a control freak, so I love going into our local organic farm. Uh, once a week and spend like half an hour although now with the restrictions there's only one customer um, allowed into the hut where they store the vegetables so I can't take half an hour because <laughs> there would be queue <laughs> outside but um, I love just going and picking my veg and um, and uh, recently we've got we're now my partner and I are doing the whole 30 at the minute um, um, and I'm trying to do it more plant-based which is quite difficult so i eat a lot more vegetables than usually so we just storm into the farm and pretty much take everything they've got there a bit of this and a bit of that and before you know it there's like a hundred pounds later we are surrounded with shopping bags full of vegetables <laughs> can't even carry it into the car um, and then we come home and try to figure out what we're gonna do with them and it's um i love the creative process behind it especially at the end of the week when you're kind of left with odd bits and pieces and you kind of have it in the kitchen what am I gonna how am I gonna pair this with that or what am I gonna do there's like a half a celeriac and a couple of sweet potatoes and and fennel like what am I gonna do with this <laughs> so. so that's what I kind of love about the veg box because like you look in the fridge and you're like all right the beetroot the banana and the stick of celery what am I gonna do <laughs> that, that that doesn't turn out so nice but yeah it's that, that kind of yeah being on the spot I love that Actually, beetroot and banana smoothies pretty good. Yeah, yeah, not okay, that's what. <laughs> but yeah, you have a great advantage. Like being a chef um, is great, and I'm sure that's what sort of uh, do your taste buds and kind of the keen eye drive uh, your your um, sort of um, love for all those different microgreens. Yeah, yeah, de- like definitely, yeah. It's 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 you know, like that's kind of. I, I came into it from that side of, of you know uh, from the kind of the chefy side of using them as a garnish 
rather than the, the health benefits. It was the health, health benefits were a happy little kind of uh, realization afterwards of, of how good they actually can be. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I approached it from a very yeah kind of the aesthetic side of it and um, and the flavor side of it. So uh, yeah, but it's it's you know it's it's great because like. Every day you learn something new about a different variety. You're like, oh, I'm going to do this next time and try it better. And yeah, so it's kind of, it's just, yeah, it's very, very kind of satisfying. And as well, like, if you mess it up, you, you just start a new one and you're back to where you, where you messed it up. And then you so. <laughs> um, that's great. Well, listen, um, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, um, Come payday at the end of the month, I'm gonna drop you a long email with a big order. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, thanks so much and keep doing what you're doing because honestly, for, for people like myself who are useless at growing stuff indoors and are stuck in an apartment, um, this is a rescue. Um, it's uh, it's absolutely amazing to be able to grow food um, indoors and I've been enjoying it. I'm gonna give the piece a go and um, I want that amaranth because it looks amazing. I'll give, you, I'll give you the peas for free, don't worry. I'm gonna make sure that you grow them. Keep peas until, until you get it right. Spreading, spreading the peas love. <laughs> now I genuinely can't wait to get an order in and try to grow the peas again. Um, but um, actually I think I'm a lot more excited about the amaranth. I wish you could see it. The amazing color of it. It is unreal how beautiful that looks. Um, and this is what I mean about growing microgreens being addictive. Once you get into it, it becomes more than growing food. It's almost like the food aspect becomes the perks of being able to grow these beautiful plants that just happen to be edible and full of nutrients even though that was the main purpose for growing it in the first place. Um, if you want to find out more about Newfields and their kits and growing microgreens, visit newfields.ie, that's N-U-F-I-E-L-D-S dot I-E, or catch Newfields on Insta or Facebook. As always, you can find Dennis's recipe in the file section of our Facebook group page. Although I doubt that you need to download this recipe because his pea pesto doesn't just sound absolutely mouthwatering, but it's also super simple. All you need is some pea shoots, some nuts, walnuts or any other, garlic, salt, olive oil and extra water if you need to thin it down. That's all you need. Blast it in a food processor and enjoy. And actually that recipe sounds so good that that is the incentive for me to grow some peas. Um, so here's to the next challenge. I hope it goes as well as my sunflowers. If you enjoyed this episode or any other, please leave us a review or a few stars of rating on whichever platform you listen to this podcast. It takes about 30 seconds and it really helps other podcast listeners to find the right content for them and it helps us content makers find the right kind of audience. And if you have any comments of constructive criticism, please do send us some feedback and suggestions on social media or email me at thesweetspod at gmail.com. Have a lovely couple of weeks. Grow some microgreens, 
eat some microgreens and whatever you do, stay healthy. Until next time. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.